Doug, as you know, I've been playing a lot of FIFA 18 recently. FIFA, Nintendo FIFA. <laughs> That's right. For I those back- of you who don't understand what FIFA 18 is, which is I wouldn't have if uh, if you hadn't been talking about it so much over the last few weeks. <laughs> I, I'm I'm back fully on board with video games and gaming. And uh, this morning, I I started a game with the LA Galaxy, looked at the players, and sure enough, there was Baggio Husidic on the team. Oh man! In a video game. That's pretty cool. It's a lot of people's, a lot of people's dream. I, I've heard many people talk about how cool it would be to be in a video game one day. Yeah. Perhaps better than being a pro athlete itself. Just being in a game. <laughs> to have a character in a video game. <laughs> yeah. The question is, how, how cool is his haircut? Are you going to use that, take a picture of it? And You know, he has kind of a normal guy haircut in the game. Okay. It's sort of a long hair, but it's kind of a, no, no. <laughs> like a Joey Tribbiani haircut from Friends. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I was like, no, that's where you went. (laughs) (laughs) So, no, I will not be getting that haircut. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's a real life haircut now. I have no idea. But anyway, um, did that, and uh, FIFA's going very well. I'm just just fully back in, which made me finally kind of like feel again like a soccer fan, which made the the whole U.S. loss, and and now they're not going to be in the World Cup at all next summer, made that uh, halfway devastating for me. Yeah, it was a little disappointing. I saw a headline yesterday that said that asked if this was the end of soccer or of men's soccer in the United States, and and you know I think I was probably a little dramatized. I don't know that uh, that if it's that big of a deal, but it's yeah, definitely disappointing. As someone who likes watching the World Cup and uh, likes cheering for Team USA, it was a, right. It was a bummer. Yeah, I guess I should I should qualify my statement that I, I am not actually wasn't actually devastated. I'm just not big enough of a soccer fan to be that. I would be pretending if I said that. But <laughs> I, I like you. It's fun when the World Cup comes around, and I I don't. I mean, I certainly don't think that's the end. Like it's so it feels like we never really got started. Uh, but I do always like the World Cup gives such a boost to soccer each year in the U.S. Like it's the time when everyone cares about it. Each, so to actually miss years. one of these, yeah, right. I'm sorry, every four years. So to miss one means that we're going eight years without really caring about soccer for the vast majority of people. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that must be a major setback. I'm sure there's other tournaments that will get people into it, like like the Olympics, but I don't know that people just care as much as they do for the World Cup. Yeah, it'll be it, what it'll be really interesting to see is if people still have World Cup fever. I mean, and honestly, I don't even know... Like, I never really experienced that until I was in the United States. Or, I'm sorry, until I was in living in D.C., where there is such diversity. So, you know, bars were... You know, there was the the German bar, and the you know there were like all different places that mm. were just going all in on their their teams. Um, yeah, and you know, and so that's where I kind of really got into it. As uh, they would, you know, they would put up big screens in Dupont Circle so people could watch some of the bigger games. Um, and I mean, that, that was where I started really feeling the World Cup fever. And it'll be interesting to see if if that still happens without the United States in the tournament. Yeah, at all. as you say this, I it, I realize what a shame it is they're not in it because I I did have the sense sort of I don't know if, like you maybe it's just because like once I got into Asheville and you know living in a city I kind of realized that there were people who were real soccer fans and there are soccer bars and Asheville even as a soccer team and like. There were a lot of, when I went to a game last year, there were tons of really passionate fans. So I, I do have the sense that people actually really care about soccer and will really care about the World Cup, uh, despite the U.S. not being in it, which makes me just realize what a, a call, what an opportunity it would have been, right? This mm-hmm. is like maybe mm-hmm. a, a crucial time 
Uh, we shouldn't neglect to mention the women's team, though. Women's team won the World Cup last year, right? Yeah, they're the or defending, two, sorry, two defending champs. Yeah, and I remember watching that championship game. Is it game two years or four years? They won two years ago. That was two years ago, but it's every four right, years. Right, but it's every four years, right, yeah. At least that's my understanding. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, probably, <laughs> like said, not, we're probably totally off here. We're not the best soccer fans here. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, they're the defending champs. So, I mean, you know, and, and I think that's the other, the kind of the cool thing that came out of uh, the U.S. men's team loss was... Uh, everyone, everyone saying, you know, well, this is the time for the women's team to, you know, really take over the right the lead here. You know, take you know, control. you can be in FIFA, you can be the women's national teams. Really? Yeah, they don't have like club teams for women, but you can be all the different countries' national women's teams. That's cool. Not not allowed to play pit them against men though. You have to play women versus women. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, the reason we're talking about this is because <laughs> <laughs> on today's episode of Nomad Athlete Radio. Uh, we have a where we have a replay going on with a professional soccer player. Yes, Baggio Husidic, who of course is the guy we mentioned in the beginning, uh, who is in the FIFA game, and uh, he went plant based. I guess it was uh, this interview was probably about a year and a half ago, maybe or maybe almost two years. And uh, I really, uh, this is one of my favorite interviews we've done. I just, you know, as I mentioned in the intro to the actual interview, which you'll hear in just a minute. Um, I just really like all the data and science that is behind this. So it's not just a, like, yeah, I felt better and more energetic after I went plant-based. They have all this tons of soccer data that they keep. Uh, and, you know, he, he said his recovery has improved and all this other stuff. So uh, I like this interview a lot, and uh, I'm glad to be replaying it today. Yeah, absolutely. Good. Well, then let's get right to it. Let's do it. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to Me Athlete Radio. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 121 of No Meat Athlete Radio and the last one of 2015. Dougie, you all ready for your big epic new year celebration that i know you do every year i'm so pumped for my you're known you're known for your new year's epic celebrations aren't you i know they they write books about that <laughs> about my my new year's celebrations yes i i like new year's it's my favorite holiday uh so we'll do some sort of brand new year episode in our next one uh but this time we've got another interview which we've done a decent job of getting back into the habit of uh kind of alternating with between the episodes that are me and you uh this one with Baggio Husidic, who is a player for the LA Galaxy. So professional, I guess it's Major League Soccer, MLS player, um, professional soccer player, which I think is is pretty cool. Because I've always been, I can't call myself a soccer fan. It just would, would be not true. But <laughs> I, I, I enjoy it. I have a, a fascination with it. I guess I appreciate the beauty of it. You know, whenever the World Cup comes on, as we've talked about, uh, I just, I can get really into that and, and feel like, man, it would be so great to live in Europe and or somewhere else and just have soccer like be the sport that's that everyone's so into all the time instead of football or baseball or whatever right right um it ends there that's kind of the world cup a cup ends and i forget about it but uh i don't know i just i just really do like soccer i enjoy watching the games and uh i, I don't know i was excited to talk to him because i hadn't i did not know first of all that there were any vegan mls players and uh it, it's really neat, actually, which I didn't find out until the interview, but to, to hear about how the results that he's experienced since he started eating this way, because he started eating this way really for the same reason I did, for ethical reasons, and then was surprised uh, at the hmm. at the physical benefits that happened. 
That is cool, especially for a professional athlete to take that risk. And yes, exactly. And we talked about that, and uh, it was funny to him. It, it didn't seem like a huge risk. I mean, at least I got that sense from my interview. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so um, that parallel and many others I, I drew between his professional athlete life and my uh, my professional blogger life. I tried to <laughs> show my, as many parallels as I could. Um, uh, who knows how I did, but that is anyway. cool. And and soccer is just such a, a neat sport. I'm kind of in the same boat as you are about not really following it at all. But you know, out of all the sports, at least popular in America, it seems like soccer just you, you have to be the best athlete out of all of them. And I might be wrong about that, but you know, you <laughs> you run so much more. There's so much technical skill and how you handle the ball. You know, it's like yeah. I, I could I could see something like that. I'm sure people would argue with it, but I I, I see what you mean. You need to be an all around athlete for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I like it, and I think you know any, anyone who actually is a soccer fan is going to listen to this and say, "Well, those guys aren't really soccer fans." No, um, and we're not. We're not pretending. <laughs> it's just I I appreciate it's a it's a really cool sport, and I mm. I wish I were a bigger fan than I am. I guess I could say. Cool. So anyway, um, let's see about him. I I did a little research on him before I. I did this. Oh, by the way, he told me he was named after Roberto Baggio, who was the famous Italian player. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doug, you may be too young to remember this, but in the ninety, I think ninety four World Cup, he missed a uh, uh, like a match was it might have been the final was was a zero zero match. Went to penalty kicks and he missed. He kicked one over the crossbar. Uh, I think it was the final kick and ended up causing Italy to lose I guess I don't not totally sure if I'm remembering this exactly but it was a it was a huge thing I remember it was a really big deal and I think his like his car got blown up or something when he got back to Italy and his dog got killed or something I mean all kinds of crazy soccer stuff not that not that Colombian guy that was a different thing where the Colombian guy scored an own goal yeah against the U.S. and he got shot I think uh and killed I could don't know that for a fact either but I think that's what happened man Uh, soccer is so cool (laughs) yeah and that's what I mean people are just that into it it's Ah. It's really neat, but a shame, of course, that, that that's really oh, yeah. happened. Sure, of course. Uh, the other interesting thing I found of note when I looked up Baja Husidic was that the the LA Galaxy had a 26-pass sequence that resulted in a goal by Baja Husidic. And you can watch the clip online. Uh, it was a big deal, you know, written up in wherever, ESPN and all these other places, that they possessed the ball for 26 straight passes and often and resulted in a goal and this was some kind of record but it's a cool thing to watch just to see them hold the ball that long yeah that sounds awesome we can put a link to that clip or you can just google uh la galaxy 26 pass thing and you will find it cool don't google 26 pass thing you probably won't find it (laughs) 26 pass goal sequence or something and you'll find it we'll put a link how about we direct people to the show notes there we go and those show notes, Doug, will be housed at what URL? nomadathlete.com slash radio-121. There you go. That's the way to find any episode, by the way, if you're ever curious uh, about show notes. And last things to say, we mentioned Landon Donovan in this interview, who I think is a current LA Galaxy player, at least recently has been. And uh, he was I, – I didn't realize he had actually tried a vegan diet for a while, but he was on the cover of Brendan Brazier's Thrive magazine. I remember that. And I remember thinking, wow, that's cool. I didn't know he was vegan. Uh, but then it sounds like I heard later that he wasn't. And he was just kind of featured as a, as a you know, fairly clean-eating athlete uh, who Brendan probably knew. But it sounds like from this interview, when I talked to, to Baggio about this, it sounds like Landon actually did try a vegan diet for a while, ended up going back to eating some meat. Hmm. Uh, I thought it was cool that he tried it. Does, do you know, it, if, did he mention if, if there are other vegan MLS players? 
He didn't. I didn't ask him that specifically. He did not mention like anyone that had tried it that he used as a role model or, model or anything. So okay. I'm guessing not, but uh, I don't know for sure. And also, David Beckham uh, did not ever play with, with Husidic on the Galaxy, because I looked that up, and he actually stopped playing, I think, after 2011. Okay. Galaxy, which just means nothing to most soccer players. But to me, I thought, hey, David Beckham, LA Galaxy, that's cool. <laughs> that's the extent of my soccer fandom. <laughs> <laughs> have you been to an MLS game? I have. I've been to a DC United game. Yep. Have you? Uh, just to, I've been to two DC United games, but that's it. Okay. Nice. Maybe we were at the same game. Maybe. He did invite me to come come to an LA Galaxy game, when oh. I remember, which sounded pretty cool and something I will definitely do. Cool. Okay. Well, then enough of this banter. Let's get to the interview. Really quickly before we do, uh, I want to plug the Holistic Holiday at Sea Vegan Cruise, which uh, set sail, as they say, at the end of February of 2016. So if the New Year's has you inspired with some sort of health goal um, or just you know the realization that you need to get away and give yourself a gift. Uh, it's something I really, really would recommend. We had a, such a great time on it, my wife and I, last year. And uh, I was expecting it to be just a, like an entertaining go like a cruise that happens to have a bunch of speakers on it. Um, but do the you know do the cruise thing of of lots of food and lots of drinking and whatever, just relaxing. But it ended up being like a, a really big health reset. And people told us it was going to be that, and somehow I didn't believe it. I kind of felt like oh, I don't really don't really need that. I'm I'm feeling good. But uh, definitely kind of a big, I don't know, a turning point maybe because we stopped eating oil after that at home. Uh, it just, it, unexpectedly for me, it, it really got me inspired about health and just, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it now for that reason really more than the, the relaxing aspect. That also is there because it, it is a cruise, but um, it's, just, it's just a really cool health thing to do. Uh, so if you want to come, do it before January 27th because there are a couple different uh, – Upgrades you can get, you know, room room upgrades or something that are free. And anytime before January 27th or not, if you mention me, Matt Fraser, or No Meat Athlete, when you sign up, then you will get uh, $50 onboard credit if it's your first cruise. So uh, that's worth doing. You can find the info for that at nomeatathlete.com slash vegan dash cruise. Doug Hay will not be there. I will not. Not this year. Come and then get disappointed that he's not there. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. <laughs> but one year. Definitely. Yeah. No doubt. All right. Okay. Well, let's get to the interview, and I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. All right. Hey, I'm with Baggio Husidic, uh, who is a soccer player for the LA Galaxy, uh, which is really fun for me to talk to a pro athlete. And... Uh, Baji, you're getting married soon. I am. Uh, in uh, December 19th, so that's coming up pretty quickly. Yeah. Cool. So and then uh, and then you said a month long honeymoon. Yeah, that's that's the plan. We're going we're going down to uh, Southeast Asia for for a while. So we're we're both pretty stoked. Wow, very cool. So uh, so soccer is what you do. For, I mean, that's 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 full time thing, right? You don't need to do other things. I'm imagining, right? Yeah, fortunately not. Cool. It's come a long way. Yeah, yeah. So, do you uh, do you do training throughout the off season, or is it kind of just? I mean, obviously you're staying conditioned, but is it is it like is the galaxy working out over the over the off season, or is it just kind of do what um, you want for a few so months? So we have we have different um, different guys that have different uh, routines they they follow, and different guys that have different strength programs. Depending how the season goes, if guys have had injuries and stuff, then they do uh, rehab, strengthening in certain areas of the body to. Um, prevent it for next year um 
And so for me, I'm just, my cardio has always been really good. So for me, I'm just doing heavier weights because throughout the season, we don't do much heavy weights, mostly higher rep, lower weight kind of stuff. Okay. Gotcha. Cool. All right. So uh, I looked through a bunch of uh, the articles that have been written about you over the years. And uh, I mean, it seems like you had a really, <laughs> I guess interesting is, is probably not uh, not the That's right. That's a good word. Right? I mean, it's yeah. interesting, but but I think that there's much, much more that can be said about it. Um, so can you just kind of give us like, I don't know, I mean, as long as you want, but, but the short version of, uh, just, I mean, what, you know, what, what you went through in your childhood? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try to make it as brief. I've, uh, done it a few times. Um, (laughs) I was born in Bosnia, um, ex-Yugoslavia back then in 1987. Um, I have an older brother, Alan, and, um mother and a father. They both grew up, born and raised in former Yugoslavia, um, then a communist country, and um, lived there for, I mean, my childhood was pretty good. Both of my parents were pretty pretty wealthy people and had, had good jobs. Both were accountants, so life for me as a child was really, was really good and a happy time. Um, around uh, 93, 94, uh, a civil war was starting to kind of, um, to form. There were many different religions and different views of politics with all the different countries, uh, combined. So things weren't looking very good. And, um, there was a big clash between, um, Serbia Croatia and Bosnia who are independent countries right now and we we decided well my parents decided I was only seven years old then that the best thing to do was because you can hear the bombings coming closer and the war getting louder and louder and different stories coming back to the to the town about what's going on and it wasn't a risk my parents were willing willing to uh to take so um they decided to to flee, and so then the next year we spend um, kind of hiding from the from the war, spending time in, in refugee camps. Usually, most of the refugee camps are on, on different on the border side of different countries. So we we went to a refugee camp on the Croatian border, where we stayed there for for a full year, and then that was run by the. Um, by NATO, so it it was pretty safe um, at that point. I mean, I, I guess you can call that safe during during war. But um, the problem during that time was a lot of the weapons or the tactics used during the war were landmines. So the place, the refugee camp we were staying, was a destroyed city that we once the once the war went through it, we went and stayed there for a year, and there were still a lot of mines left left uh untouched so a lot of kids and people were getting blown up by those um so after a year and there we um snuck into croatia um onto onto the other side and my dad paid off one of the soldiers to kidnap us and bring us across uh, because things weren't looking too good uh on this side so we hid uh, in split Croatia for six months, um, and after that, 
that was that was pretty safe. The only problem was a lot of people were doing this, so the army was going around searching for for the refugees. Um, and then the German government allowed immigrants um, to enter Germany, and luckily we made that we made that, and we ended up in Hamburg, Germany, no, northern part of Germany, and we spent um, three and a half years there, and that was pretty crazy. <laughs> and I was, yeah, I was getting older, and I was starting to realize what was going on, you know. Right, and the articles that I saw said said you were fighting every single day. I mean, like literally fighting someone every day after school. Yeah, so that the bull, bullying was a big big factor then, and because you I mean, were an immigrant, is that I mean, is that what it was? Yeah, when we were, you could spot us from far away. I mean, all the clothes we had was given by the government. I mean, we didn't we didn't look the, we didn't look like part of the German society and. Um, there's a lot of disagreement with with the German people about allowing immigrants or not, and um, okay. pe- people oppose that very much. So it wasn't the best situation, but at least people weren't shooting shooting at you. So it was more of just a <laughs> hand on hand beating. Um, but I got pretty good at fighting, man. So I, it wasn't too bad after <laughs> after a while. Right. Wow. So yeah. I, I mean, I guess this is kind of a jump, but because I want to talk about you know how you got into soccer as a professional, um, but you know pe- people seem to infer that 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 was impactful on your the way that you play soccer now or the way that you look at maybe training and everything. I mean, do, do you think is is that directly affected by all that? Like, I mean, you know, it seems like the fighting and the toughness that would have to do with it in some way, but is it deeper than that? Yeah, I mean, I've been through like a. I'm I'm lucky in a sense to be alive, and I think a lot of people say that they've been through a crazy moment in their life. They get to appreciate life and appreciate a lot of things much more, and that's definitely true for myself and my family. And I'm very um, appreciative of what my parents were willing to sacrifice to jump into the unknown and just kind of leave everything behind and. Uh, my whole life, I've respected that, and I've always been much more determined than a lot of other people to succeed and put in the extra time and um, do the necessary things off the field to put myself a step ahead of someone who's competing um, mm. against me or competing for my spot. So that that um, knowing what I've been through and what could have been, I'm very appreciative of where I am today and what I went through. And and do you think, I mean, what about diet? I know that, that the reason that you started eating vegetarian and then vegan was really ethical reasons, right? I mean, about animals. Yeah, So do you think that, I mean, that's, a, yeah, again, so, a result of everything? Um, in a sense, yeah. So I grew up on a pretty much a dairy farm. We had our own chickens, cows. We had... Know, over a thousand acres of land that belonged to my dad and you know it was a very um everything you eat you you provide from from your land so i grew up on a typical you know uh meat and dairy dairy diet and that was the culture in bosnia so mm-hmm. um but i remember witnessing um them slaughter a cow which was completely normal then but to me even at that age, six was really devastating, and um, I didn't think of think much of it then. But then, 
when I um, got my own pets, I got a, a cat and a dog. I just, it was different. You know, you, you see you see them in a different way and you see all animals in a different way when you have a, a companion like that. Right. Yeah, it's funny. That's uh, That was, for me, the kind of the spark. I mean, I had been thinking about it for a while and then once I got a dog that was my own and was the first time I had a pet that was my own, uh, you know, it just it just kind of made me start thinking like I don't want to be eating pigs when pigs are so much like this dog. I mean, in terms of intelligence, and uh, it just yeah. suddenly seemed really strange. So that's it. and and people always chuckle when I tell them that that was the the reason that it all started. People think that like that's not a big deal, but uh, I'm glad to hear that you say that that was the same thing. You yeah, did. I mean, to me, it is. I mean, I, I can't imagine any any animal, you know, like I can't imagine someone kicking my dog or my my cat or trying to hurt them. I mean, what's the difference from that to any other animal? Right, right. All right, so I want to ask more about diet, but let's uh, let's give just the rest of the context. Yeah, so- yeah let's let's get us to present. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, ninety-seven in May, the German government wants all, wants all the immigrants out. We end up winning a lottery visa to come to the United States. Um, we end up in government housing again in Southside Chicago for six months. Which was um, which was cool because it was just the summertime started and we were clo- close to Lake Michigan, which seemed like the ocean because it's so big. <laughs> and um, my parents started working; um, they got to help two minimum wage jobs, and we kind of just slowly they slowly moved up. My dad got into construction, and you know then it was a big boom in the construction time, so he was making this money, and we kind of hopped from. Um, one neighborhood into into a better neighborhood to a better neighborhood until we ended up in a, a north northern suburb of Chicago called Libertyville, which is a really nice suburb. Um, I joined a soccer team right when we moved to the U.S. Um, a German team because we were all fluent in German, so we thought in one day would speak German, but no one really spoke German, which was <laughs> kind of funny to us, and. I kind of hopped from that team to the most elite team, which is called Soccer's FC from Palatine. And from there, I uh, I did pretty well. I got recruited by uh, quite a few colleges. But um, to me, my family was really important, and I wanted to stay close in the to them. So both my brother and I both uh, went to a city school in Chicago called University of Illinois at Chicago. And I had... Um, two and a half really good years there, and I signed an early contract with the league. Um, I got drafted by the Chicago Fire, and I played there for three years. And then I've always wanted to try Europe, so I was signed for a Swedish team in Stockholm called Hammarby FC. Uh, FC, and after that, two years there, um, I got signed by the LA Galaxy, and right, we're here. <laughs> There we are. Yeah, that's as quick as I could <laughs> say it. No, it's good. I mean, that's perfect. That's that's the amount of detail that I think it, it certainly deserves. I think it's interesting. Um, so you, you mentioned that you jumped right to an elite team from from playing us on this German club team, right? In the yeah. U.S. So, yeah. like, when having gone through what you went through, when I mean, I guess everyone 
uh, certainly more than here, plays soccer. I mean, the U.S. is certainly not uh, on the forefront in the soccer world right now, uh, although growing. Um, but, like, when when did you practice? And, like, when, when did you say, I'm going to take this really seriously and, and do what it takes to – I mean, I'm, I'm guessing as a kid you just kind of need to be a pro, as, yeah, as a lot I mean, of people do. Yeah. I, I mean, I just wanted to play soccer for a living. And my dad was a professional soccer player in – uh, in Europe, so that was kind of, and in Europe, everybody plays soccer and has the same exact dream. So it's it was instilled in me since I was a young boy. Um, so I always knew that I wanted to. I mean, I didn't know what that entailed when I was young, but the older I get and the more competitive teams you you play for, you realize like that. Yes, there are people who are just complete talent, and there isn't many of those. But for the most of us, it's that extra work and dedication to uh to succeed and i wasn't very good until i was like 17 years old i mean i was always hard working and everything but um something clicked when i was you know 17 18 and i just accelerated my um progress much faster than all my teammates and just kind of boomed at the right time so what what would make you work hard i mean let's say once you're i don't know past the age of 13 or and you realize that that if you actually wanted to make this a, a reality that it would be a ton of work um because it was you, my dad i mean my dad was very influ- influential in that we'd always do extra training with him my brother and i mm-hmm. and um it wasn't that's what we enjoyed doing uh we'd go and train by ourselves with with our dad and we knew the more we trained the better we were getting and we were uh passing all of our teammates um we were getting better and better, and I realized that at a very young age that the extra practices are a big difference, and that I'm improving much at a much faster rate than a lot of my friends. Uh huh. So even when you say that you weren't very good before 17, like when you were doing that extra training and working this hard, were you were you in your mind saying I'm doing this because I'm going to be a pro at this, even though I'm not very good right now? I I know this is going to pay off. Yeah, I mean, um. For me, I wasn't a fast player. Um, I was also I was very technical, and when my athleticism caught up, my my um, my technical skill was on a much higher level than all my teammates. Mm. But I I just didn't I didn't develop um, my strength and my speed until I got older. And once that caught on, you know, that's when I when I clicked that. I'm on a much different level than a lot of my teammates. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I just think it's. I mean, everyone, every kid dreams of being a pro athlete. I guess not every yeah. kid, but so many do. So it's it's just interesting to hear how that goes because so many you know, so many want that, but then when it really comes time to work really really hard at it, once they realize I'm I'm not really like I'm naturally better than everyone else in the world at this, um, you know, that's when everyone drops it. So I, it just. I don't know. I just love that stuff to hear what people do do work. Yeah, hard. I mean, you think you think about all like the being a pro is fun, but people don't realize how dedicated you have to be. Like <laughs> you're 16, 17 years old, and you have Saturday morning games, and all your friends are out on a Friday night doing something, and you know, at that age, you're deciding that you don't want to do that, but you'd rather get some sleep and be able to wake up and have energy. I mean, that's you realize at an early early age that that determination you need to be a pro and it's even more the older you get so yeah it's funny like that that is 
sounds like marathon training as an adult. I mean, that, that you, you make that exact same sacrifice, uh, not to the same extent for sure, but I think that's probably what a lot of people are seeking when they, when they do that. I mean, I always think that one of the reasons I like running is because it gives you a chance to do something that, that is incredible to, you know, like to me, that I could one day run 26 miles. That was amazing when I wasn't a runner. So even right. though that's not an elite athletic accomplishment, it, for me, it's like, yeah. that's pretty cool. As, and so like to, to be, you know, to, to make going in early on Friday nights and getting up early on Saturdays to get the runs in when everyone else is doing something you'd really rather be doing. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I think it's, it's capturing some bit of that, you know, for, for the rest of us who aren't, who can't be pro athletes. Yeah. Um, so. It feels good. It feels good to, um, to be able to get in at nine o'clock to be in bed and wake up at six o'clock. And while a lot of your friends are recovering at 11 o'clock from a hangover and you've done already right. so much in the morning, you've trained, you've done everything you could. And you know, that for me, that's a pretty cool feeling. All right. So, uh, none of this, I mean, the story we've been talking about, none of that really was, was, uh, you eating a plant-based diet. That, that's a, a fairly recent thing. I think 2004, 13 or 14 you you made the switch? Yeah. Okay. 2000, 2013 was the start. So 2000 yeah, around 2012 to 2013 is when I cut out meat. So I, I saw a couple of documentaries, you know, Food Inc and stuff and that was just I couldn't believe it that this is where we were getting our food. Yeah. Um and then I read the China study, I Watched different uh, forks over knives. I read a couple of books, and um, it, it just you're just seeking so much knowledge, so much information, and you just can't believe you did that and ate this, and you know you just become more over, overwhelmed with the the stuff the media and and Google tells you, you know. <laughs> yeah, and I think everyone listening to this, or most listening to this, can relate uh, to that that. Period. When when you do just sort of catch wind of what what's going on and what you've been doing, and you just kind of go on this this binge of reading everything you can and watching everything you can. Um, but but you as a pro athlete, I mean, why didn't when when you started feeling this way about because you had pets, you saw these documentaries. How come it just didn't a, a switch didn't just shut it down and say. I can't do this because I'm a pro athlete. Like, you know, so many other people that, that probably is the train of thought. I can't, this just isn't a possibility. It's not worth any kind of risk. You can't get enough protein. You can't get enough calories. How come for you well, that didn't happen? I had, when I was playing in Stockholm, I was always the fittest guy in preseason. I was always top one, top two distance covered on, on the field. But I um, started, I'd always get cramp in my calves. Like no matter, I thought it was my hydration. You know, I never really thought about what I, it was my diet. Mm-hmm. And when I cut out meat completely from that, I realized that my cramps went away. I'm like, whoa! <laughs> what what major change did I do to my regular regular life? And it was taking taking out meat. And I'm like, well, I got I got to dig into this. So I started researching, and obviously, all these other things come up, and uh, I stumbled upon. Dr. Campbell's China study, and that was just like, okay, well, if I'm cutting out meat, I'm cutting out all all animal product, and it was just the coolest coolest feeling in the body, and the feeling of being able to have your endurance, you know, go up by twenty, thirty percent, your recovery <laughs> rate, just it was ridiculous. My energy level, I mean, everything in in the first two weeks, and then 
it was just getting better and better. The cleaner I ate, the better I felt. And it was just like, I mean, I could prolong my career by two, three years by taking care of my body. So yeah, it was, it was a cool discovery. I, I'm definitely, and I think I, people listening to this are probably saying like, yes, like we all get that. And of course not as pro athletes, but like that, that's what everyone's saying. And what, the, you know, we're reading stuff from Brendan Brazier and, and yeah. Mitch and Scott Jerk, and they're saying this is helping me do what I do. Um, but I just, I mean, when you gave up meat, like, why wasn't that a huge decision for you? Like, like, what what would happen if this doesn't work? I mean, I guess you could just go back if if it didn't work. But were were people telling you, no, you can't do this? It's not going to work. You're going to ruin your career or anything like that. Um, at, at that point, um, we, our team didn't have a sports nutritionist. You know, he, we don't have like um, with the with the galaxy. We have so much scientific data that literally tracks everything you do, everything you eat. Yeah, I wanted to ask about this too. Good, you know, ahead. like there's so so much stuff. But while I was playing Stockholm, they they didn't really they weren't into that. I mean, they tracked like your my like what you ran and your recovery process and all that stuff. But it wasn't it wasn't as detailed as it is here. Mm-hmm. And I just knew by myself that this is working and I'm feeling better and better every single day and I don't need people to tell me that's not the case because I feel it. <laughs> right. You know, like my body's telling me this is really good and I'm feeling great and I'm feeling better and better. So I, I didn't, I didn't need a scientist to come and tell me anything. Like I knew myself that this is the right decision. Yeah. Cool. That That's great to hear. Um, so regarding all the, all the data I saw in, in, one interview you mentioned that you were like on I think on the Galaxy in in the top three in recovery time on the team or something. Yeah, uh, and you talk about miles covered. Like how how is that? Where are they getting that data? Are you wearing something while you? No, so they have they have this the software that that's around the whole field that tracks how many sprints you make, how many five yard ball passes you make, ten yard passes, fifteen yard. I mean, it tracks okay. everything. How many balls you miss? Like it's it's pretty uh, impressive what they can track and. How fast you're running, and um, what area of the field your your heat map, you know, like all that hmm. stuff. And when I I went full out plant based um, last last year in 2014, pretty much, huh? and I had the best season of my career. I didn't miss one training session, which is very rare for a soccer player. I played in every single game. Um, it was we ended up winning the the whole league, so just everything together was was the most impressive um, year year of my professional career. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So so specifically recovery time, like how how are they measuring that? Because I people would love to be able to track that stuff. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, so. They do this. Um, should I forget what it's called? But they they measure your heart rate and your somehow they measure your nervous system how it, how it responds like your fatigue levels uh-huh. after 24 or 48 hours after the game depending when they decide to do it and there's a com- they have this computer that measures all that frequency and stuff in your in your um in your system and they somehow come up with it and my numbers are the highest you can get is 6 and I'm you know mo- almost every time in the 6 is even though I've played ran the most or play the most minutes. <laughs> wow, that's that's really neat to hear because you do, I mean, every pro athlete I talk to or elite athlete I talk to, they always cite that as one of the huge benefits is recovery. And, yeah. uh, you know, I feel like as as just recreational athletes, 
we can we can sense that and and notice that and hope that's what's happening. Uh, but it's interesting here that that you you know that it can be quantified and that and that you're seeing that it actually that that your plant based diet is actually helping with that. Yeah, well, well, think about soccer. I mean, you're you have a game Saturday, you're off Sunday, you come in regen Monday. You t- you usually take that test the uh, the to check out check out your recovery, how well you've recovered, and where what percentage your body is at and your fatigue levels. And then that's just on Monday. It's just massages, either water workout or something. And then Tuesday, you're you're back at training. So the faster you recover and the better you recover, the less prone you are to injury on Tuesday, and the harder you can go, and you know the better chance of you you have of of you know keeping your spot. Sure. Right. So what about teammates or other players in the league? I mean, are are they? Is it piquing their curiosity at all? That seeing that seeing you having these results, or or is it more, sort of just a I don't know a denial sort of situation with like oh well, it doesn't that's that's a um, you know being a plant based athlete I think is still taboo in in soccer because mm-hmm. uh, soccer is a is a mix between you know a lot football and in a sense um, a marathon because you're not sprinting the whole time. You know, you're you're at a constant pace, but you also have to be able to sprint and be powerful. So it's a it's a unique unique uh, sport when it comes to being plant based and, and and light on your feet. And but they still expect you to be very powerful. Obviously, it's not as powerful the football players because they're in a whole different level. But we run at a constant constant pace, and then we're ex- we're expected to to sprint and accelerate. So it was <clears throat> it was very. Um, Difficult at first to convince what was happening, but you know the science behind what I accomplished that year doesn't lie. You know, so anytime something happens, I you know bring it back to that. I'm like, well, look at your data. Look, look at what your computer is telling you. You know, see, see that my recovery is best in the team. I'm covering distance. I'm playing while I played every single game I haven't missed one training session there you know there's a reason for that maybe you can call it luck I don't know I I don't think so because <laughs> yeah. that wasn't happening to me in the past right uh, that's uh, it's really amazing so yeah I mean, so, I mean has anyone is anyone considering doing it or or have you yeah so my roommate on the on the on the road he um when we started rooming he kind of found out what I'm about with my with my diet and his wife, they were pregnant, and I gave him the China study. He read it, and uh, his wife went plant-based through through while she was pregnant, and to this day, their daughter just turned one uh, two days ago. So his wife is full plant-based. He um, he's mostly vegetarian. He'll occasionally have you know meat <clears throat> meat here and there on, on some road trips, but. He's uh, 33, and he's never felt better in his life, in hmm. his professional career. That's great. Yeah, so it's slowly, you know, guys are, you know, everyone races after after to, after to lunch to grab as much of the fruit, because I always eat all the fruit before <laughs> all the guys get in there. <laughs> so it's become a joke, and, you know, or sports nutritionist who um, monitors all, all the stuff that we, all the stuff we eat has added much more, much more greens and and raw raw food rather than what it what it used to be in the years past. So right, 
a lot right. of things are changing and you know it's mostly people just looking and wondering how it would be and some guys will try for a week or two and see how great they feel but uh, I just can't give up meat so yeah you know but guys are guys are catching on that's good I, I remember Landon Donovan was on the cover of uh, Brendan Brazier's Thrive magazine a few years ago do you remember that yes he he did that as well um, his twin sister raises her kids on a vegan vegan uh, plant based diet okay but, uh, I actually I was with him a couple of months ago we were um, doing some film or something and we asked I asked him why why he stopped and he he said he was uh, he wasn't committed enough <laughs> yeah I guess all right yeah um, yeah so yeah I remember hearing that he that he wasn't vegan I didn't even know that he had tried it or yeah he he tried it for a while and you know he he maybe wasn't the right thing for him but mm-hmm. he still eats really well you know it's it's not it's not like you have to be full 100% vegan you can still cut out some things and f- still feel much better than what you felt like before yeah completely agree there that that i mean the ethical thing is different and, and i think at least for me, it's important to be 100%. But when it comes to health, I, I really am of the belief that uh, that you do not need to be all the way here. And I think the closer you can get, the, the better in most cases. But uh, but yeah, I think that's important. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the raw fruits and vegetables. How how do you personally eat? Like, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to ask you what a typical day is. But but like, what, what kind of foods are you eating? Is it a lot of high raw and lots of fruits and vegetables? I mean, I'm guessing yeah, so it's not I, much junk food. Um, I eat a lot of a lot of fruit and uh, and vegetables. Um, I mean, I'll give you a quick thing about my uh, I guess daily thing. What I would do, I would um, training starts at ten o'clock. We have to be there nine fifty. I'm usually up around six thirty, and um, I'll take down like a liter of water with some lemon and apple cider vinegar. Let that soak in a little bit, and then I'll ha- I always make homemade granola um, with a bunch of different superfoods, nuts, whatever I, I feel during the during the season. Um with almond milk, some frozen blueberries and that, that keeps me keeps me going until, you know, after training and around lunchtime and um uh, lunch I'll have a raw vegan shake after training, right right on the field. And um for lunch, um usually there's a huge platter of different salads um or chef he does all his own uh produce hmm. so um he'll he'll have fresh beets um i mean you you name it he'll throw it on the kale salads um different beans different nuts the guy the guy's really good so there's plenty of options for and that's where i get most of my uh raw raw food is from my uh, from my lunch, and I bring bunch of home to snack on. Um, and then for dinner is the fun time where you get to experiment with different vegan food, and um, you know that can go from a black bean burger with yucca fries and some homemade guac, all the way to something super fancy like uh, vegan ravioli with vegan, you know, tofu ricotta. Mm-hmm. 
you know, like a vegan ricotta that I make with silky tofu and nutritional yeast. So, you know, that's the fun part about eating this way. You get to experiment with different foods, and I, I really enjoy cooking. So, um, my dinners are very different from <laughs> one another. Right, right. Interesting. So, do you? Um, I mean, are you trying? I'm guessing not. Are you, are you trying to stick to certain? numbers i mean ratios of protein to carbohydrate to fat and calorie numbers and all that um no i um during the season i tend to eat a bit more fatty just because i'm i'm burning a lot more calories so i'll eat quite a few more nuts than than usual um so i i guess during the season i i eat a little bit higher fat um but you know the great thing about eating plant based, everything kind of balances itself out. So I'm yeah. not really too worried about that. Right, gotcha. Um, so what what about around workouts? I mean, you mentioned what you did. What are there certain principles you follow? Like like immediately after a workout, are you trying to get certain things? You mentioned the 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 shake that you get. Yeah. So right after right after the training or or weight session, I'll throw in a I'll take down a um a big and protein shake and then um depending if there if there's lunch right after I'll I'll make sure to consume to consume a good amount my lunches are pretty big cuz I'll sit there and eat for a long time and like I'll have two big plates of fruit then a big plate of salad and then whatever I left I have left in me I'll go after the the more um complex stuff you know if there's some farro farro salads or other things if I have if I have room left in me. Gotcha. Cool. I, I mean, that sounds amazing. It's it's a fantasy world. Pro athlete, you get you get, and that the, the lunch stuff is all made by the team chef yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. We have a team chef who's awesome, and he's a big big hippie guy who you know loves talking about how to make <laughs> a garden and stuff. So I I, I enjoy my time with him and. You know, he, he knows the way I eat and he's all about it. So he'll get, catch me before training. He's like, Baja, today I, get, I brought my fresh beets. So <laughs> you're the first one, first one there. And you're the only I guy love, who gets excited about the fresh beets, I guess. Oh, uh, but yeah, <laughs> I, I love, I love beets. So, and he, they come fresh and I, I just go and get there real early. Pack, pack one to go on the side, hide it, hide it in the, in the lounge. <laughs> gotcha. Cool. Good. All right. Well, uh, I think that's I think that's about it. We've gone a good amount of time here, and uh, yeah. this has been fun for me. I, I really like talking about this stuff, and like we said, I I think it's so cool that, that this this thing that we've all suspect and like like to talk about and like to hope is true, and I mean have some evidence that it's true. But a case like yours, where you know someone who wasn't plant based went plant based, and then you're seeing yeah. in in the form of lots of scientific data. Um, the improvement that that's happening and and it's so cool that you did it for an ethical reason and then this, that this health benefit uh, yeah, just kind of flowed right along with to, it. to work out for me um the right way um yeah i mean like you said the scientific stuff at first i did it for you know because of my pets and i knew i was feeling better but then to see the scientific backing behind it was okay yeah right. no way i will i will i wouldn't go back anyways to ever consuming animal product but it's really uh it's nice knowing that the stuff is working and you're feeling great 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, to bring it back once more to my own story, that's exactly what happened to me. I, I did it for ethical reasons and then uh, was really surprised to find that I was running faster than ever and, and achieving the goals that I wanted to. And it was just such a total yeah. like bonus that I didn't expect at all. So um, very cool to hear that, that you've experienced the same thing on a, on a much uh, more elite, higher level. Um, so yeah, so I mean, I guess that's it. Thanks a lot. I mean, good good luck with uh, with the wedding and and the honeymoon. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations. That's that's wonderful, and I'm looking forward to hearing how uh, how the month long honeymoon in South Asia goes. Yeah, thanks, Matt. It's <laughs> good talking to you, man. We'll uh, keep in touch, and best of luck to you, man. Yeah, thanks a lot. We'll uh, we'll definitely meet up in person sometime next time. Yeah, I'm sounds good. In you LA. Come check out a game. Oh, that be that would be amazing. All right, brother. Have All right, going. thanks a lot. You too. Bye. All right, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Nomad Athlete Radio. Really quick, want to remind you that it does take lots of work on my part and Doug's part and our own money to create this show, and we count on our listeners to support it. And the very best way you can do that is by joining Nomad Athlete Tribe, which is our members-only community where you can take your Nomad Athlete Radio experience to the next level by both supporting us and getting access to exclusive content, my favorite of which is our monthly hangouts that we do, where me and you, Doug, get on there, uh, live video with listeners members on there chatting with us uh and it's not a stuffy formal q a session it's just we're just there to hang out and kind of you know be friends with members and i really enjoy that that's my favorite part of the whole experience uh but what else is there doug yeah the hangouts are awesome but you know we also wanted to make sure that listeners were connecting to each other and we do that through the private facebook group where you can hold each other accountable share race experiences cheer each other on ask each other questions and then a weekly newsletter where we share articles and recipes and other things that we as a team have deemed really exciting and and worth sharing that week. And of course, there are also tribe deals where if you're looking for a financial incentive, this is going to be it because we have partnered with different vegan brands to provide discounts for you exclusively for tribe members. It's a ton of stuff that's inside the Nomad Athlete Tribe, and you can gain access to all of it and support Nomad Athlete Radio for just about the price of a cup of coffee per month. You can get all the details at nomadathlete.com slash tribe.